Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. What's up, music lovers? Welcome to yet another amazing episode of Behind the Industry with Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Um, one of your hosts, La Media Mitad de Pili and Raul. Raul, what's up? How's it going, Pili? I'm only like a third. I wouldn't consider myself a half yet. What? I'm not qualified enough. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, it's he... awesome to be here with you as always, Pili. How are you? I'm happy because today we have an amazing guest who is the president of none other than the most recognized and reputable guitar company in the world, Gibson. We are talking today to Cesar Guaykian, president of Gibson. I got to say that wow. twice so people can understand the caliber <laughs> of artists and guests that we have here. Pili, Raúl la música. El presidente, el presidente. And you're talking about Gibson Guitars. It's a company that's been around for 120 years. There's not many organizations, many companies that we can say that have been around that long and have withstood the test of time, but not just withstood. They're at the top of the game. When you oh, talk yeah. about guitars, it's Gibson. You yep. talk about the Les Paul. You talk about so many different models that are out there. He even talks to us about this very specific, oh, one-of-a-kind yes. model in this conversation. Yes. And if you talk about guitar players around the world that are superstars, that know Gibson, know Cesar, go to his house. What is it about this guitar, Billy, that, that is like just so ridiculous that everybody needs to play? Well, we're going to find out in this conversation. Yes, apparently it's like a magical guitar. We know it's black <laughs> and the best guitar players in the entire world have touched and played this guitar. And Cesar has it in his house. We talk about his guitar collection. We talk about his vinyl collection, which Raul, you know that I'm a newbie vinyl collector, but you and Cesar really hit it off talking about vinyl collection and vinyl curation. What is the difference? Well, everybody has records, but... There's a little bit of a difference than if you have a lot of records versus a very well manicured and curated collection. You have a lot of great records, Billy. So your collection is like handpicked. These are the songs. These are the records that you want to keep. Right. That mean something to you. Yes. In my years of being in the radio and DJing and getting promo copies, I have a lot of records, but not every record I would consider part of my collection Got so it. i don't know if that exactly makes sense but it's the idea that every record that you have means something and it's it's a keeper you know it's not just got a junk it. record that you got as a promo copy right. or maybe you picked up in like a bin of used records that you just have all kinds of junk now these are records that you thought of getting this record right right there's something special about that record in your life okay totally, okay totally. Oh, that's good that's good yeah. so yes we well you guys geek out around that about vinyl <laughs> but his story raul is so inspiring cesar was born in argentina to an armenian family um you know he comes from very humble backgrounds and this Little muchachito from Argentina who just loved to play the guitar ended up being the president of Gibson. 
like I said, the most recognizable guitar brand ever, ever in the entire world. So Cesar is extremely busy. We're very fortunate to have him on this episode. So please enjoy this behind the industry of Pili Raúl en la música with El Presidente Cesar Guaykian. Thank you so much for taking the time to be um, a part of Pili Rao en la Musica. You're a very busy man, um, president of Gibson. It's quite a title. Um, so we really appreciate the fact that you're sitting down with us and sharing a little bit more about your story. For all those music lovers that are listening to us, I'm sure they're quite interested in what you are up to and what Gibson is, is up to as well. So when and how did your obsession with guitars begin, if you remember, and when did it transition to guitar collecting? I st well, the, the obsession with guitar starts with the obsession with music, and then it translates into wanting to be able to do it. So I grew up in a very musical household. My parents, particularly my father, was always playing music, and he had a very big vinyl record collection. And so I would always go and look at what was in there. Was it bigger than Raul's? Do you see Raul's back there in the background? Raul has like thousands and thousands. thousands. No. Well, probably was close to 800 to a thousand records nice and so there was a lot there, there's something about there's something about curated collections that that is i have a lot because they're just a lot comes through but when you have like a detailed curated collection that somebody really like took the time to buy like this record or that album that's when those collections are absolutely beautiful so i can only imagine your dad's collection yeah he bought every single piece It was nothing, you know, he was not in the industry, so not in the music industry. So every record he had, he purchased. So it was really about going through that and, and being intrigued by if he was playing something that I like, okay, what is that? Or if there were things in the collection that he didn't play that caught my attention, particularly because of the artwork of the covers, then I would want to play it and see what that sounded like. And he had a Black Sabbath record that was mm. closed, was still with the actual film. And it was the original Black Sabbath, the first record, which is also called Black Sabbath. And it had that lady on the cover with a very eerie cover and, you know, kind of cat called my attention. Yeah, eerie image for sure. So that would call my attention. And I don't remember if it was 10 or 11 years old. And so I, I, I opened it, I cut the film open and I put that record <gasps> on Oops. and put the record on and... <laughs> The record is called Black Sabbath. The band is called Black Sabbath. And there is a song called Black Sabbath. So I put that song on. And, and I think that was a very memorable moment when I remembered, mm. yeah, I, I, I want to be able to do this. So that's we had a Spanish guitar at home. And so I started asking for that guitar. And can I play it? Can I use it? And then I started trying to figure it out. And I couldn't. So I asked for for lessons and, <laughs> for lessons <laughs> um, my upbringing was amazing i loved it but it was a modest household as well i mean we were eight siblings by the time i was 10 years old oh, wow. my my youngest brother was in the picture so it was four of us and and we we were a family that ran on a budget so it's right. it wasn't that i want an electric guitar and i would get it no no way um so You know, I had to learn with that Spanish guitar, which was great. 
I remember it fondly. And it just didn't really sound like Black Sabbath. It didn't sound like Black Sabbath. <laughs> and and if the my mom was able to get me uh, guitar lessons at a place uh, where, where there was a guitar professor that would have uh, lessons with multiple students. And, and um, that was my only guitar teacher I ever had. Oh, wow. For a few years until he moved to Spain. He was not only a guitar teacher, but he was a performer and a luthier. Mm-hmm. And he moved to Spain both to perform and to make guitars there. Oh, wow. Uh, Spanish guitars. And so... I don't remember if it was when I was about 15 that he moved out and and it continued on my own or 15 or 16, but having taken guitar lessons for five to six years had put me in a good path to then keep going on my own. Um, And then a couple of years ago, I actually reconnected with him. Oh my God, that's beautiful. Yeah, and we, we went through the project. He's been a luthier ever since and performer. His name is Guillermo Burgos. And mm. reconnected with him, and I said, I call him Willie. Willie, we have to, we have to go back to the drawing board, and you have to make me a Spanish guitar. Oh my God, that is so beautiful. Plus, he must be so proud that you know his student ended up being the president of Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, t- I talk to him on a regular basis, sometimes daily on WhatsApp. And That's amazing. We took us about a year to design this incredible Spanish guitar that he made everything from scratch the only things he didn't do himself was like he didn't dive to go get abalone and he didn't buy the tuners but uh, he didn't make the tuners but everything else pretty much everything else huh? is made by hand and we have the whole process documented wow and we picked every single piece of wood every inlay every element of that spanish guitar was chosen together and then he made it oh my god that is so special and so i have the guitar it, is this going to be like a model for a future Gibson model? No, we made it as a one cu- super custom Spanish. Wow, beautiful. 24 fret Spanish guitar. I don't know any other Spanish guitar that has 24 frets. Um, but I tell you, when people come come home and play it, whether it's Sergio Agin from Mana, he couldn't put it down, or all the way to <laughs> Kiko Lorerio from Megadeth comes home and He's playing that Spanish guitar. He's an incredible Spanish player. He's Brazilian. And he's the lead guitarist of Megadeth. And he's like, this is amazing. Can I borrow it? I need to, I, I tracked <laughs> for the new record with a Spanish guitar, but I need to retract with this one. And was like, okay, yeah, take it and, yeah. and use it. So you do, you lend it to them. Wow, you're nice. I'd be like, hell no, that stays with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I can now imagine the guys that have played on that guitar. Some of the musicians that have played on the guitar has got to be... Everyone that's come home from... Uh, Billy Gibbons to Adam Jones to Sergio Vagin wow. to Kirk Hammett at home playing it. Um, we were jamming at home and he's like, what's that? And he starts playing. It's like, this is incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that guitar, everybody, tens more musicians, everybody that comes home, that guitar is always out in my music room. And I have about a hundred and I have exactly 155 guitars. I know because of insurance. Wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, you have a few. And and everybody wants to check that one out. And I think it's the most special emotional guitar for it's got me. A great story, yeah. Of course. No, I have fifty nine bursts. I have the things that are highly collectible. Got fifty seven and fifty eight gold tops. Fifty nine black beauties. Fifty eight black beauties. You name it. Three thirty five from fifty nine yeah. or sixty four. And but that is the most important one emotionally. 
So with 155 guitars, which one of those was your first guitar? And do you know, like when you first strummed it, how old were you? Well, my first guitar was my Spanish guitar at home. Oh, your first Gibson guitar, though, that's specifically you. My first Gibson was a, a, a Les Paul, and I couldn't afford uh, a Gibson when I... It, it, there was a process of getting to that first Les Paul, because I, I remember having... You know, I played tennis growing up, so... Um, oh, Made. Oh, cool. We all did. The, yeah, we Pilina all did. as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We keep saying that we're <laughs> anyway, going to do a Pilito yeah. in la Musica tournament one day. Yeah. So, Cesar, now we know we'll, we'll include you. I'd love you. to be there. Yes, yeah. We're, we're compiling the players. Who else do yeah. we have? I think we have Nan Pavasico. And we have a few all. others that, yeah, yeah there's, there's a few. There's a few. So, now you're, 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 in, the, you're in the tournament. Yeah, we should do it. So, I, I remember I was 13 years old and got, I won a couple hundred bucks playing tennis and I was in Miami. And... I went to the guitar store, don't remember the name, and I wanted, there was a black Les Paul standard on the wall, and I, that's the guitar I wanted. And, and I think I had 700 bucks, and the guitar was 1300 so I couldn't afford it. Oof. But there were two, there's two main brands that everybody knows down in Argentina, Gibson and Fender. And mm -hmm. the Fender, one of, one of the Fenders that was available was 700 bucks. So oh. I bought that guitar and, he, and then flew back to Buenos Aires, sold it for 1,400 currency controls. Because <laughs> oh. yes. it, it was so high, unavailable. I had no then. interest in that guitar. I went back uh, and sold it for 1,400 bucks. Two weeks later, mm -hmm. I come back to play again and I go to the store and I buy my first Les Paul. Oh my awesome. God. What a story. That's awesome. Wow. I mean, obviously, you know, you have a business and financial background and obviously you were born with that because look at the way that you were thinking at such a young age. And on top of that, obviously you're a musician and you're obsessed with music and with guitars. There's a lot of different parts of your brain that are working there and they're activated differently because one's creative and the other one's more, you know, logistical admin. How do they complement each other? I don't know how, but they do. Uh, I don't. I, I couldn't answer the 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 how 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 do I feel that happening in my head, but I know it does, and mm -hmm. it it makes it maybe it it makes me ask questions or ask them differently or use a different filter when I want to pursue something and get rally people behind our cause, and and so you know I always. I always think about keeping that alive and keeping keeping my artistic and music side always learning. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, throughout COVID, I said, "All right, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, now that I have the opportunity, I'll spend a little bit more time at home learning something new." And so, I, I used that opportunity to learn how to play piano, and uh, and so that. That also triggered a different way of thinking and approaching that keyboard. Um, and I really got into it, you know, got up, started learning. Kid, my kids were learning. So I said, I'm going to use the same teacher they're learning with. And, and, then I, and then I went down the rabbit hole and I bought a Steinway and, and now <laughs> I'm really into piano as well. Now you have 155 pianos. Yeah. Well, the piano is from, it has a story. Uh, it's actually a piano from 1928. Wow. And so if you think about it, it's been 
making music since, and it's a rosewood. It's a rosewood. Uh, I guess they call it the M. Whatever. It's like a baby grand. Uh, the one model slightly bigger than the baby grand. Uh, but it's been making music since nine, 1928, and it's rosewood. And so we did it. We, we had it all refinished at Steinway, but preserving the original board and replacing everything on the board that needed to be replaced so that it's the original wood, It's but it's refinished. So it looks like a new piano, but it's from 1928. So I love those stories. Anyway, I digressed. My point with your question is <laughs> I try to keep learning. Adam Jones from Tool uh, challenged me to learn one of their songs that has triplets in inside of each one of the bars. Um, and the right hand is always playing the triplets all the time and the, while the left hand is doing other things. And it's one of the weird, it's, a, it's one of the most amazing and beautiful songs, but it's one of those strange songs from Tool that is not on an odd time signature. It's not on sevens or nines or anything crazy. It's actually on fours, but because the anchor note changes every bar, you think it's changing time signature and then it's doing, and then he's doing triplets inside of each one of it, each one of the bars. So he, he, I got, I was with him when they play the headline Bonnaroo and he was showing me, giving me a little bit of a, a tutorial on how to play. It's called wings for Marie, the song. And, and so when he throws something like that at me, as is, is, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to work on it until I get it. And so I like doing, I like those challenges of learning different things and, and complex, complex songs, not because they're complex. I love, I, I've always loved Tool from when I was young, um, but because everything they do is very memorable. It's almost like they're the modern Pink Floyd and I always loved Pink Floyd. So I, I, I like to keep my, my sort of creative side and artistic side always going and using moments at night when I might have time to do that and go learn something new until I get it. And then I go learn something new until I get it. Well, we've, we've talked about this now then a little bit because your attention to detail is, is pretty amazing. I mean, down to the one-off Spanish guitar and to your work ethic and the way you kind of really embrace a challenge. But, you know, there's this work ethic also in kind of the hand craftsmanship and specifically with guitars. But how do you incorporate this into your kind of day-to-day -day mentality at work? The, the, the attention to detail to me is, is incredibly important. I think when I look at from how we work with an artist, how we go about generating content and what we do through Gibson TV, which is our network, or how we curate what we're going to do at every, every stage. Uh, it becomes a, a project that we are always in pursuit of the best we can, you know, perfection is, mm. is never something we we're never going to achieve it. But if we, if we use it as an objective, sure. You always aspire. Then the, the output is great. Right. So we create all the best, conditions around each one of the projects for the project to be a successful one in the eyes of our fans. And, and, and basically the message I give the teams is think about this project as that's what we do. We don't, we're going to, if we're going to do something around Kramer or something around Epiphone or Gibson, what if that was the only thing we had? 
that was our business was that we're making a piece of content or we're launching a new guitar or in the in in our we call them crafteries that people that are making them that's all you do is that that's a single model that's what you do that's our business forget about everything else we have what would you do differently mm-hmm. and the same is is the case with our brands how we approach them with our collections with our guitars um the brief is the same we're working on a record okay if if we don't have we're gibson records but we don't have gibson that we don't make guitars we don't have mesa boogie making amplifiers we don't have kramer all we have is a label called gibson records would you be doing what you're doing the same way and if the answer is no we got to make the right changes to make sure we create the best conditions for success of that record under that label as if it were the only thing we had do you try to convert non-gibson users that's a natural thing that will never go away. If I see somebody playing an, uh, a, a different instrument, I'll say, you could achieve that and sound even better with this Gibson. <laughs> so I take it that's a yes. <laughs> but I am, uh, I'm, I have fenders in my collection. Uh, vintage, I don't have new ones, but I do have vintage ones in my collection. And I'm very respectful of the choices of other our artists. And when they have... In their minds, they have a sound they're looking for, and they they want to they want to pursue that sound with a guitar that's not a Gibson. I'm told that that's that's the cool part of coming up with different sounds and and uh, exploring a different sonic experience that then we can all enjoy, right? So imagine if right. I don't know Sultans of Swing had been recorded with a Les Paul instead of Money for Nothing, and Money for Nothing was recorded with a Strat instead. It would be very different, right? So, it it's it's um that that is that's the cool thing about music. We hope you're enjoying this conversation with El Presidente from Gibson Guitars, Cesar Guaykian, right now on this very special edition of Behind the Industry for Pili Raul en la Musica. And very cool that he's going to be joining us for our PRM Tennis Invitational. That is going to be awesome. (laughs) We really hope that happens one day. But if you're enjoying this series of Behind the Industry, please check out more. We've interviewed Leila Cobo from Latin Billboards, Diana Rodriguez from Criteria Entertainment. And it's just for you to get a glimpse as to what happens behind the music industry. So we talk to managers, producers, festival creators, etc. Check it out. And if you like what you hear, we got some very special ones coming up. Give us a review, subscribe, support Pili Rola La Musica. Y ahora seguimos con más de César Guaykian. Well, we can we can name people like that. Like you're talking about somebody like Dire Straits or you're talking about any there, there's always a name kind of associated with any kind of profession. And when you're talking Gibson and you already mentioned this name earlier, but somebody like Les Paul and what impact did Les Paul have? really kind of on the guitars, but more kind of impacted you on your role over at Gibson. I wish I had met him. Um, you know, he mm. passed away years ago um, before I was ever able to meet with him. But Les Paul was the first shredder. We talked today about guitarists that can shred. He is the original. Sure. Yeah. There, there was no shredding before Les Paul. Wow. And he designed an instrument that especially around the concept of fretless wonder, which is how he liked his frets. And that's a term used to refer to frets that are very low, so you can slide up and down and play very fast. And the Black Beauties, the Gibson Les Paul customs uh, back in the day, 
were were fretless wonders because of Les Paul and because of his desire to play fast, super fast. If I play those original records today, they're really hard to play. It's really hard to play what he's playing that fast. So he was the original shredder, but he was also an innovator. He was always thinking about, um, he was a showman. He really was a showman on stage. And he liked to impress people, to impress the audience. So we'd always be thinking about innovations that he could bring in. I mean, he invented multi-track recording. That's, that was Les Paul. He invented the wow. looper. Well, he didn't invent the mm -hmm. loop. He actually saw, had read about, uh, and during the Second War, loopers being used on the radio to pretend that leaders were still alive. Uh, but, but he was the inventor of the looper for music and, and for guitar. And so the, the, he had a brilliant mind and, and we continue obviously to honor his name and pay tribute to him. Um, and it was actually, a, there's an interesting story. I don't know if I ever spoke about this in public, but the Les Paul, the actual Gibson guitar that we all know as the Les Paul was actually created between 1948 and 1949. And it was presented to Tony Motola, who was Frank Sinatra's player, guitar player, who played a, a bigger body, a Super 400. And Tony didn't like it. He was, I'm not into this solid body thing. I like the Super 400 sound because that it's a, it's a hollow body, big body sound. And so we, we, Gibson also had a good relationship with Les Paul and Mary Ford. So then they pivoted to uh, Les Paul and engaged him because he had been working on developing a solid body electric guitar at the Epiphone factory in New York. So when we sent the guitar to Les Paul, he immediately says, I'm in. This is, this is what I've been looking for. And then he made a couple tweaks and changes to it, but the guitar already existed and it could have been called the Gibson Tony Motola instead. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, wow. That's crazy. You know, everything happens for a reason. You know, you, you, you are in a position where you are friends with all these amazing musicians and, you know, you get to work with like Slash and, and Dave Mustaine and like, like all these big names constantly, which one has impressed you the most and why? Um, it, it, it's made, I mean, clearly the, the most, um, it, the most epic moment for me was the first time I met with Tony Iommi, uh, because his music made me want to play guitar. Mm. And so when I met Tony and we've since become really close friends and now I speak with him all the time. When I met with him, I remember was like, what an incredibly humble human being um, wow. and just overall an amazing person and all of his musical achievements, everybody knows. Um, but it, it really struck me as, as I loved the image and concept of him and all of his music. And that inspired me to want to play guitar. And then I love the genre of heavy that he invented. He's the godfather of heavy. Um, and then I met him and I was like, I actually love the person more than anything else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I had the same. So, so that was really very special for me. Um, that kind of full circle back to what made me want to play. Right. I was going to say it's like full circle. But then I met, you know, then obviously meeting uh, Slash 
and man, he, he is the same. He's like the person is an amazing human being um, beyond all his uh, achievements as an artist, just an incredible human being. So thought, thoughtful and um, always engaged and, and nerding out about guitars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And a thought yeah. partner, you know, he's like, you, you might call me and said, and ask, what do you think about this or that? And I might call him and ask him the same. And, and he's, and, wow. and I love the artists that are like that, whether it's Adam Jones from Tool or um, Kirk Hammett or Dave Mustaine, you mentioned um, Sergio and Fer from Mana. Uh, claro. I just played at the forum with them two nights, two weeks ago. And you played with That's them crazy. on stage yeah. with them? Yeah. Wow. Um, Cesar, what a story. <laughs> I mean, this little boy from Argentina who just got obsessed with music and look where you are now, like... Dude, that's yeah. amazing. Luis Fonsi, when I met him, like what a great human yeah. being. When I met Juanes, um, Fito, and he's mm -hmm. Fito has also invited me to play a couple of times. We've played in Miami at the Fillmore. Like, I mean, I I'm sure it's an Argentinian. That's like, I mean, just, Fito just like this, wow. You, I, 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 they're, 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 I love the person. You know, I become, I, mm -hmm. I, I fall in love with a person. And if I don't fall in mm -hmm. love with a person and I think they're not, good people then we then we don't work with them um then they don't get gifts they don't they don't get simple they don't get to work with us we've got <laughs> we've got i've got this always on yeah so. <laughs> well since this is an audio podcast can you say what that little uh yes, that little plaque, have a plaque here that says we have a no dickhead policy and so amen i like the <laughs> don't fuck it up one too yeah. That's standing out for me. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, well, man, I mean, I, I was going to ask you this a little while ago, but, you know, playing that first Gibson guitar back in the day as a 13 or 14 year old, uh, you know, uh, and what would you tell that young man back then? You know, wow. Now with your what your role is now, what would you tell that young Cesar? <laughs> <laughs> Again, exhibit A. Yeah. No dickhead policy. Um, no, I, I, I it. <laughs> it's hard. It's a hard question. It's a really hard question to answer. What it was not, if you, if I had somebody had told me when I was 13 buying my first Les Paul that I would be doing what I'm doing today, um, I would have immediately dismissed it, delete crazy person talking to me. Sure. The, 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 um, this was, uh, uh, the most amazing, this is, uh, as the brand president, the most amazing. Um, thing I've ever done. And it's, I was, uh, we've been recently talking with our extended leadership team. You know, we're doing all this training and creating the next leaders for the company, which is what we call the extended leadership team, ELT. And it's a group of individuals that run, that are our, our direct reports that run all of our functions. And the, in, in many ways, there's things that happen and opportunities and then we got choices and we have we have to evaluate the choices we make but um, also on the other hand the the things that we create for ourselves and and the goals that we put on ourselves are equally as important you know i i knew I grew up in a highly competitive world of tennis, highly competitive. Yep. And, and so I 
and, and I worked from a very, very young age because my father uh, brought me to work when I was very little. And, and then he got sick and passed away within a two-year period. So I, got, I, I was the oldest of the siblings, so I had to go to work. And, and so at work in a situation like that, being very young, it's, it's, it's you either win and the family moves forward and, and has great opportunities or you lose. And in tennis, it was you either win or you lose. You can play. For, yeah, there, there's no gray area. There is no, no there is no <laughs> second place losing a final, right? So, so it was that environment. And then I grew up in a private in in sort of this world of of pretty aggressive work environments with long hours and sleeping in the office and and until I was able to grow professionally and and be able to lead a team and then be able to lead a group and then be able to lead people globally and then you know having the chance to set up my own business and and so today here at Gibson having had the opportunity to acquire the company through because I came in through the ownership group and doing a takeover of a company that put 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 itself in an obstacle course it was self-inflicted right. having the chance to do that it is the dream come true is where I found not only not only music and not only guitars, but always Gibson for me. And now having a chance to do a takeover of the company, bring in the right group in place. And that's because I had set up my own company and I convinced people to give me capital to run my own company. And by the way, I put my own money into it. I, my wife thought I was absolutely crazy and I put all of my savings <laughs> into starting my own company, every single penny I had. And but it paid off. But I never let things. I, I personally don't give up. I never. I never giving up to me. It's never been an option in anything I do. Well, and you, like you said previously, you like challenges. So you walked mm -hmm. into a very challenge, you know, an established name that was facing a very challenging time. And then putting together that, putting a, a, a team together and thinking about how how do we what what's going to be the right approach with the team and. And what's going? To, how, how am I? How am I going to rally people around me to believe mm -hmm. that the noble cause that Gibson is, having been on every record since recorded music, having 128 years of history? How do I convince them that this is a, as much of a noble cause for them as it is to me? Right. right? And 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 getting getting everybody motivated and inspired to do it together so that we can become the most relevant company music. And that's a great challenge too. It's equally as exciting. Yeah. I mean, you're always aspiring for that kind of perfectionism. You, you mentioned that earlier, obviously that's, it's, it's unattainable, but the more and more you push forward, the, the, the better you're going to be in the long yeah. run. And there's a certain expectation, you know, and how do you manage that? You know, whether it's from employees, whether it's the artists that you're dealing with. I mean, now you're you're getting into the land of egos and how you manage those different personalities, whether it's at work or relationships. But how do you manage? Well, I, those? I, I, at work is about creating the great the greatest team that you can possibly put together. I think about you know, JC who came from uh, Levi's and had a great and and before that worked in many other brands uh, and managed teams and had all these global experience, but most importantly, he was a great guy and a musical guy. Um, you know, when JC and I met the first time, we, we met at three 
in the afternoon in San Francisco at Levi's. He was showing me all this cool stuff at Levi's and the custom shop that they call Eureka Lab and the and the his, the, the, mu the museum, but like all the vault, like the Levi's vault, where he had all these original stuff. And he was passionate about it. And I was like, this is awesome. Like if he's, you know, that I relate to that, I'm passionate about what we're going to be doing at Gibson and what we were already doing. And so, I mean, we meet at three and, and, and then we look at each other and we're doing tequila shots and it's like 2 a.m. It's like, holy shit, I need to go. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. I love it. Uh, literally. I, I, so, so getting passionate people that believe in the same mm. cause so that we can together achieve our strategy is, is critical. And, and so, so once you have the, that extended leadership, you know, JC being our CEO, but also uh, below us, that extended leadership team, if, if we can find passionate people, they don't need to play guitar, but passionate people about our cause, mm -hmm. um, then that starts trickling down into the rest of the organization. And with artists, um, it, it's, we've had an amazing experience of the, I would say 90% of the artists that I've met all are all incredible human beings. And when they're not, we choose not to work with them. Mm. Right. Plain and simple. Simplify your life. <laughs> That's yeah, a good choice. Yeah. I mean, you're bilingual. We're a bilingual podcast. A lot of our listeners are bilingual. Um, and we're very much into Latin music. How, um, what is Gibson doing right now um, to help out Latin musicians, especially because, you know, we've made, we've named so many big artists, but Gibson also sponsors smaller acts um, like Diamante Electrico oh, yeah. from Colombia. You know, there's other other Latinx musicians that you guys are also supporting. So what what do you guys have on board right now to help that community specifically? Well, we're, I think we're probably as we're, we're the, the, the most active that we've ever been when it comes to Latin music. I mean, we're from any, anything from the the established and iconic Latin artists like like Mana, etc all right. the way to emerging artists but like just on over the last couple of years if i think about whether it's david lebon or fito or dante spinetta in argentina mm -hmm. uh, juanse la renga babasonico sergio fer the guys from mana um in in molotov in mexico you know fonsi and the things that we're doing with luis um right. To me, Diamante Electrico, you mentioned, I love their stuff. Um, yep. I have their vinyl. Uh, I, I love their, their records. <laughs> I think we've had them a couple of times on the podcast. We're, we're, uh -huh. we're really good friends but, with them. Atrecio Pelados, Fonseca. I mean, those guys are incredible. Uh, Andres, Cepeda, Gianmarco. But do you think this has to do with um, because you're Latin and you understand the Latin market? I think so. I think having... Having somebody that, 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 and it's not about me, right. the person, but it's about having somebody that understands and appreciates the fact that Latin music, it, music is not just played locally in the countries. It's, it's been spreading around the world and becoming, if you just, just look at the tours that are happening in the U.S. alone of, of Latin American musicians, including Spanish musicians uh, that are selling out everywhere around the United States as well. The music, that the Latin music, Latin sounds, the Latin percussion, it's is used in so many genres of music. Um, and the musicians oh, yeah. are 
as incredible as anyone else. They're 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 just incredible musicians. They're they're writing incredible music, and so, um, and yes, obviously, I have a personal interest in making sure that we Gibson are looking at every genre of music coming from every region in the world. That is you. That is uh, uh, play recorded, written, recorded, and played with guitars. And so that's that's our obligation is to keep working with making the guitar more relevant than ever, but also making sure that we're paying attention to all the different dynamics of uh, the different genres, gender, uh, which is what you know we've always been. I mean, from Robert Johnson to the Amante Electrico and everybody in between. Well, that and that's we've talked about this quite a bit the the fusion of what is happening in latin music whether it's latin or contemporary pop alternative you name it but you also take pride in in bringing uh different artists together and different genres together even to perform live i mean and w- when we met i think it was at nam and you had los lobos playing with Juanes, yep, yep. you know, and I got to give With it up Juanes. to 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 Big Mac, Maclovio for for connecting us and introducing us, you know, and that yeah. that's kind of cool what you guys are doing, and that also goes into play with the the legacy acts with that up and coming artist and bringing this all kind of together, and that's that's yeah. the beautiful thing about Gibson. Yeah, and and Juan got to record a song for the Metallica tribute yep. uh, Black album where they had so many bands come in and play their songs. And he was so excited about it because yeah. I mean, yeah. for those who don't know, which I'm sure everybody knows by now, but Juanes is a big metalhead. Yeah, well, I remember when he did Rock Al Parque playing Seek and Destroy with the with that Gibson Flying V. I mean, he loves heavy metal, and, uh, mm-hmm. and but also he's a, he's he's probably a perfect example of somebody that has such an open mind about music. Right. right and and, and, willing to and can do everything, willing to explore different things, different sounds, different, yeah. essentially different genres of music in, inside of his own persona. So, Cesar, as a last question, why do you think Gibson makes the best guitars? Uh, well, the the methods that that we continue mm-hmm. to do to use today date all the way back to Orville Gibson in 1894, when he started making guitars, and Orville had one objective, and then he had ways to get there. And his number one objective was that everything that he used in making a guitar was in service to sound. And we continue to use that today. And so there could be ways of doing things faster and cutting corners and, and changing it. Saving money. We don't do that. We Everything yeah. that Every method and everything that goes into the guitar is is in service to sound, which was Orville's original objective. And, and our guitars are made the same way. They're crafted by hand. They're made in the United... All of the all Gibson guitars are made in the United States, employing the same methods using nitro, nitro lacquer with set necks, with, beautif- with a lot of beautification going into them, using the best tone woods that we can find around the world. And that all makes into the instrument becoming a, a tuning fork and everything resonates and everything produces sound. And that's what that's what we continue to do today. We're obsessed with that. And and I love the fact that you that you guys are also like expanding with Gibson TV, also your Gibson showrooms. Like both Raul and I have been able to see to see in such a beautiful, intimate setting a bunch of great bands in your Gibson showrooms in in LA, for example. You know, so it it's 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 a whole 
community. It's a whole world that involves Gibson and it's all por la música. So we appreciate every, every, that. Every, everything we do, whether it's Gibson TV or the events that you mentioned around the world that we do in our showrooms, Gibson Records, everything is in service to music made with guitars. Amen. Yes. And there's that connection. That connection to not just those musicians and people making the product, but really the fans that that appreciate the music. So we appreciate what you do, man. And thank you for what you do, for what Gibson does, and really for what you guys do for the music community. Oh, okay. And congratulations on an amazing journey. I feel so inspired after this. I'm like, wow, what a story. Thanks for sharing it with us. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm always excited to talk about music, about guitars, and about Gibson. And we see the... Uh, this uh, that is going to be uh, maybe maybe uh, heard by our Latin uh, community of friends is something 100%. that is obviously very close to my heart. So it's great to be here. Claro que sí. Well, thanks for not canceling. Yeah, exactly. When I saw what it was, I was like, no, I'm definitely doing it. <laughs> Don't listen to what's his name, Jordan. Yeah. No, Jordan put yeah, it on my schedule. I was like, no, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. he, yeah, he kept it on. The, <laughs> no. Thank you, Jordan. Oh, thank you, Jordan. Oh, thank you, Jordan. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Okay. <laughs> yes, we love she, Jordan. she knew that All I would right. want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll see you on the tennis court for yeah. sure. Very, very soon. See, or hopefully in one of the Gibson showrooms. Yeah, absolutely. Vale. And that is the end. Thank you so much for listening to Behind the Industry with Cesar Guaykian. Thank you, Cesar, and thank you to the Gibson team for always supporting our music. We've actually done live events from the Gibson showroom. Big fans of everything Gibson does, and we just feel fortunate that they're part of the Pirita en la Musica family. And I love the conversation that we had with him. And a company such as Gibson that is just so well-respected, but a person of this caliber who is really paying attention to Latin music, Latin artists, the genres, also really a focus on gender and really to keep the guitar relevant into the future. It was great to hear such a wonderful conversation. So thanks again to Cesar. Amazing, inspirational story. Thank you, Cesar, again. And thank you for listening to Pili Raul en la Musica. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms under Pili Raul en la Musica. Rate us, comment on us, give us all the love. You know what we want. We want a five-star review, though. Make that happen for us, por Cinco favor. estrellas, cinco estrellas, cinco estrellas. All right, Raul, I will see you very soon. Bye-bye, Pili. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>